Hey everybody, it is Trags Mike Petralia back with this week's episode of the Jungle Roar podcast available wherever you download your popular podcast every week. Of course, be sure to subscribe to my podcast on YouTube, youtube.com backslash at Jungle Roar Pod, all one word. My pleasure to welcome back James Rapine of allbengals.com, si.com, doing a terrific job, as always, covering your Cincinnati Bengals and the National Football League, and also listen to his daily Bengals podcast, the Locked On Bengals podcast. All right, James, uh, we've got a lot to touch on, and we'll try to get to it in somewhat rapid-fire fashion uh, this week. First of all, your biggest takeaways from Friday's game against Green Bay? Holy valuable Joe Burrow. Yeah. He's, uh, the, the story of the game happened before the game, and we could have left and not attended said game, and it wouldn't have mattered because the storyline Friday night was that Joe Burrow can still throw at 50-plus yards and run I wouldn't say sprint, but run. And it certainly looks like he's on track for week one. So we'll see there. But that is huge. So that's the biggest takeaway. The second takeaway is, man, these quarterbacks mm. are behind him. Leave something to be desired, which I'm not trying to be too mean to Jake Browning or Trevor Simeon. But they've, instead of going in an upward trajectory, I feel like their best practices were at the start of camp when Burrow first went down. And they've gone the other way and declined. And you could say, oh, it's because of the Bengals' defense or whatever, but the the quarterback position behind Joe Burrow is certainly questionable at best. And, and so those were the two major takeaways from Friday night. Yeah, and I, I would say one thing that struck me was actually watching the broadcast after the fact and listening to Duke Tobin's comments when he was on, I think it was at the end of the first quarter, talking about the quarterback position and what they really do need. And he was acknowledging the fact that, essentially, if you read between the lines, the Bengals need a quarterback behind Joe Burrow if, for whatever reason, Burrow is not able to go, and they need a productive quarterback. And I think what he watches on the field, we all watch. You know, We're there at practice and at camp practice every single day, and it's not been good. Um, and the thing I would tell you when, when, when fans ask me or fans ask you, James, what's the biggest problem with these quarterbacks? Yes, it's some of its arm strength, but the biggest issue and accuracy, but the biggest issue is the timing. And you could tell on one particular play last week at practice, Jamar Chase was running, you know, a corner dig in the end zone, in the red zone, and he had DJ Ivy on him. And he had about a step and a half, almost two full steps on DJ Ivy as he was making the turn. And he was expecting the ball. The ball wasn't there. Well, about a second later, the ball got to him. DJ Ivy closes and knocks the ball away. And Jamar says, that ball's late. That ball is late. And to me, that's the biggest issue when you bring in quarterbacks like Jake Browning and Trevor Simeon, and we haven't really seen Reed Sinet yet, the timing that Joe Burrow has with these receivers is not going to be there. It's not there. And that's the part where, look, I get they're both limited physically. I think Browning more so than Simeon. Simeon's bigger, I think a little bit stronger, has a little bit stronger of an arm, certainly more experienced. So I just expected him to gradually get better and get more comfortable in this system and, and look the part of a quality backup quarterback. And his decision-making just hasn't been there. And it's been flawed at best. And I I don't really want to to punish him for the Friday night game 
because the offensive line didn't give him a ton of time. But even in practice, and that's what I come back to, is if you're working with this first-team offense, which he, not, neither of these guys were ever going to get any reps with the first-team offense, never, ever, 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 if Burrow doesn't get hurt, to be very clear. They yeah. never were going to throw a pass to Jamar Chase, ever. And so you get Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and you're alternating days, and you're working with these guys. At some point, shouldn't the timing get a little better? And I feel like it's gotten worse and it, yes. it, there's been less explosive plays and less uh, uh, in rhythm throws and more holding on to the They're ball only hope more and, sacks. Their only hope, James, and you and me have been on the sideline watching these camp practices is when they drop back, they have the time to throw and they just heave it up on a go route to Jamar and hope that Jamar T goes up and gets it. Now that's not altogether a bad idea. Um, if the ball's on time and out on time, uh, but when it comes to making any type of intermediate throw that requires making sure the ball is on its spot with enough pace uh, and in the right spot uh, when, you know, receivers are making, whether it's T, Jamar or Tyler, uh, making their cuts, it, that, that just hasn't been there. No, it has not. And even the go balls on, on Monday, Jake Browning had Jamar Chase wide open and he throws yes, him he out did. of bounds. Yes. It, like those are the plays where it's like, okay, at least hit those. And, and the other part of it is the, the pressure working with the first team offensive line. There's pressure, but these guys don't react to pressure the way you'd hope they would react to pressure or get used to it. And, and, and the holding of the ball and not being able to, to read the field. I, I think it's all, all of it's an issue. And in that said, I still think one of these guys can emerge. I'm not pressing panic yet, but it needs to start with Wednesday's practice and then bleed into Friday night in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Show us something because the backup could still be on this roster. I think it's salvageable. It's not going to be a, you know, a starter heavy Atlanta game. There probably shouldn't be any starters on that field. I think the starters will I think a significant number of starters will play maybe not every single starter which leads me to my next point. do you really let's bet on it I bet I bet you whatever you want I would say that 75 percent of the 22 starters all right let's will bet. start and play two series on Friday night simply because I don't they're not going to play in the the final game in DC I just don't see that that's a game traditionally left for the back end of the roster to fight for roster spots in the practice squad and put more on film. But I think on Friday night, you've got to get something, a, a good portion of your starters uh, into some type of game simulation, more than just one uh, joint practice with Green Bay, right? I think you do have to give them some run. In what are game. we betting? Dinner. Dinner. All right, let's we're dinner. betting dinner on an off night. Okay, I'll tell you what it's going to be because we usually get together on the road Saturday night before a road game, right? Mm -hmm. I'll I'll bet you dinner that twenty two uh, that seventy five percent. So what is that? What's seventy five percent of twenty two right now? All right, this is absolutely. Uh, scintillating pot. 16 and a half so you need 17 starters to play give me I will the count, 16 i will count i will count trevor simeon so it's only 16 okay 
You could, gotcha. 16. All right. There you go. 16 of the 22 will start. Uh, that's what I think. Wow. Free I, dinner. Feels I, great. I don't think, I don't think Jamar T or Tyler Boyd should play. And I'll tell you why. I don't want them on the field until Joe Burrow is back because I don't want them catching live pass. I don't want them running routes and the same thing happening in practice that happened with Jamar Chase and DJ Ivy that actually could lead to an injury. We almost saw that on uh, Mm -hmm. Monday with regard to T Higgins, who went up for a ball landed awkwardly. Nick Scott came over cam Taylor, Britt, they all collided and two of the three players were injured on the, on the wet surface. What, what ran through your mind then? Oh, honestly, it disaster. Yes, because because Cam Taylor Britt is limping for a second. Yep, and and T Higgins is down, and Nick Scott lands on him, and it's not really Nick Scott's fault. I know he took a lot of heat, but upon further review, he thought he was falling, and defensive backs jump over receivers all the time, right? To avoid them, so that's all he was doing. Well, T didn't fall all the way down, and was bent over, and so it was like flying knee to the face of T, and then a collision, just nightmare fuel, and. And here's the problem. The Bengals should have practiced in the rain. That I, I, I've gotten a lot of tweets about this. Oh, we'll play in the indoor. No, the game is played outdoors. That's probably Correct. their one rainy practice of camp. Their Correct. one. No it problem. Rarely happens. No problem at all. Rarely but, uh, does this happen, but you and me are on the same page. Yeah, they, they need the, 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 the wet ball drill. And stuff. Now you don't have to simulate it. It's real. Right. And uh, clearly I'm the smartest beat writer in town because I'm the only one that had an umbrella. So pat myself on the back. You guys act like you're not from Cincinnati or, or being around. I, I came home and I told M that she was like, are you serious? Yeah. Only one with an umbrella. I mean, are you kidding? You, you amateurs. Take a bow. That, that said, just get a little mini umbrella and put it in your bag, Trags. Well, it That's... was in my trunk and I didn't get it out of my trunk. So with a wet noodle whatever um but but it it was it was a scary feeling and i'm just glad it lasted for about five seconds because it it was eerily similar to the feeling you had when burrow was hopping before he sat down on the turf it it really was now not to that degree and it he got up and it was fine right man that's that's that nightmare stuff that's why the starters aren't going to play on friday night i i would agree with you in the in, in I the, wouldn't play any or, of them, even the offensive linemen. You you want Orlando Brown Jr. to get nicked up? Nah, man. You, you keep that Ford truck in the in, in the garage, and, and we'll see you in Cleveland. I, I'm. That, that's what I would do. I'll see you. I'll see no, you September tenth. I, I, I think they're. I think they're going to get a series or two, and I don't think. Well, you said two series. The bet is two series. Okay, that's. I, I'll buy that. I don't think they're going to be going into the game for just one series. I think they, they try to get. Uh, get them on the field, off the field, and back on the field, and then they're done for the night. That's what I think. You know what that would do, though? Just going back to the quarterbacks, if they do that, yep. I wonder if they would give the quarterbacks each a series because Zach on Monday said that Trevor Simeon would get the entire first half. That would be a real bummer for Jake Browning if Simeon got the starters, even some of the starters. Well, I mean, it might be a bummer, but that's what you projected at the beginning of camp anyway, and sure. Browning hasn't sure. done enough to separate himself from and he did he didn't even get the team into the red zone on Friday night against Green Bay. Not once did he get the team into the red zone. So uh, you know me, I'm all about offense. So I, I, agree. I agree with you. I, 
What about T. Higgins and what he said uh, to us after um, practice on Monday? I thought they, mm-hmm. I thought that comment about T. and the brotherhood and and how close they are, and blood couldn't make us any closer than we already are uh, with Jamar and Tyler Boyd. I I don't know that hit home to me for some reason. The, you know, Dan Horde the Bengals radio network asked him about, you know, you guys are always doing things together. You go on the field together. You come off the field together. You're always on the sideline chatting it up. And I thought his response was golden. It was a great response. And unfortunately, one of the first things I thought, one, it was, man, they are so close Two, I was like, what a heck of a question by Dan. And three, this is the last year that these brothers are going to be together and that sucks yeah it just sucks it's reality and, of football and the business of football and, yep and, and even if they do keep t obviously they're going to to have jamar for for quite some time he's under team control for four more years uh because of the the tags fifth year option etc tyler boyd too i just i don't see it and and that's it it stinks because this feels like just to go big picture on you not their only shot, but their best shot. Yes. This feels like their best shot where you have guys that aren't going to be here next year. Tyler Boyd, probably not. Maybe T. Higgins. I don't know. I, there's certainly paths to him not being here next year. DJ Reader, Chidobe Awuzie. Like, I could go down the list, but this roster is going to look a lot different. There are already some guys. We'll see Jesse Bates later this week in Atlanta. There are guys that uh, that have already departed that were part of that core. That's going to continue. And so that's where it kind of led me to is, man, this is their shot. You better hope that that calf gets to 100% because this is the shot and arguably their best shot. With this group. They replace some of the, well, and you never know who they're going to add, what's going to happen. Maybe they get another three right. tech or they, they add a, a receiver in the draft this coming year. And in their, their, maybe Charlie Jones has uh, finishes his career with 4,000 reception. I, I don't know. And he wouldn't be a lot of, of receptions, but you get my point yeah. is who knows what the future is like, but during this run of the past three years, this is by far their most talented team. And a lot of that talent's going to walk out the door this off season, more than likely. I think that is a, a great take. What would you do with T Higgins? I know we've had this debate and, you know, yeah, we have been into yelling matches in the media room um, and on the practice field about, I mean, many one things. of us yells, one of us yells. Um, What would you do with T Higgins? <laughs> I would sign him. And th- that's much easier for me to say than, than it is for the Bengals front office than it is for T and his agent, David Mulligetta, because it takes two and it takes two to be on the same page. And if he doesn't want to sign more to the point, if David Mulligetta doesn't want to sign, then what? If you can't get a deal done, you cannot go the Jesse Bates route. To me, this is very clear. You tag him and you say, Hey, we have a 20, he'll be 25, 25 year old, probably coming off of a, a, another 1000 yard season. He's had 900 plus yards in every year of his career and has been a force for us. And so what we want is a first and more. And you get, you absorb that tag. And guess what? A team's going to do it. And they might give you more to sign him to a long-term extension because receivers like T don't come around. 
They don't grow on trees. And so if you're giving that up, you have to get a lot for him. You can't just lose him. Jesse Bates, as good as he is, there are other Jesse Bateses. And, and, and it, it's much easier to find the next Jesse Bates than it is the next T. Higgins. And, and so to me, this team should always be, every single year Joe Burrow is here, active in free agency. You're not getting anything for Jesse Bates because you were going to get a third-round compensatory pick. You landed Orlando Brown Jr. Great. I love that you did that in free agency. But now you get nothing for Bates. I would trade T. I would be proactive and trade T this coming offseason after this year if you can't get a deal done. Now, that doesn't mean you do it in March. Okay? You could wait a little bit. It's harder because of the roster construction and the cap and all of those things. But you could wait. To cl- uh, until it's closer to the franchise tag deadline. Right. If you if you want to do it that way, I don't think they would because they would want to know where they're at books wise, money wise, contract wise. So if if you can't get a deal done this off season or early next off season before the tag, then you kind of know that that where this is going. And so be proactive. The Bengals have never done it. It is very unBengal like. But they've done a lot of things in recent years that are un-Bengal-like uh, and unprecedented in their team history. And, and that would be the next one for me because I think your boy in New England, Bill Belichick, would give up a one and then some. And they have a lot of cap space next year. That's just one They have of the, the cap space. Teams. They do not like parting with number one picks. They just don't do it. He would be the best receiver they've had since Randy. I d- I'm telling you that I would be surprised because Julian's a slot receiver to be clear because Julian's a slot. No question. Look, I mean, love Julian Edelman. No question about it. He was very, and so did Tom. He was incredibly productive and reliable and one of Tom's best friends. But T Higgins is a much more talented, purely talented receiver Mm -hmm. than Julian Edelman. But, and as you said, a different receiver. Now we almost threw down. On Monday night, full uh, Monday afternoon in the rain, full disclosure, I like the glasses. Um, we almost threw down on Monday. Yeah. After I asked the rhetorical question, do the Bengals, when L. Collins returns and he's uh, and he's healthy, do they have a decision to make between L. Collins and Jonah Williams? Your position is. No, there's no decision. It's Jonah Williams. They're not going to bench Jonah Williams. He's been more consistent than than they've had anyway. Honestly, last year in camp, let's just look at their camps. Lyle Collins wasn't practicing, and I get it. He was dealing with injuries, and I like LC. I have a good relationship with him, but he's the ultimate insurance policy, and ideally, he would just be your sixth lineman. Third, third and, tackle. In general, yeah, your third, third tackle, tackle, however you want. Yeah. Sure, but he could play, if you needed him to play guard, he could play guard too, and so you'd have that conversation midseason. I think that he's going to start the year on the pup list, and then after that, he he can just kind of float and, and hang out. Now, he won't want to do that because he has a per-game bonus, but that's fine. You can be active and on the bench, Lyle. You'll still get those bonuses once he comes off right. the pup list. I think that that is the best case for him and the best case for them for a few reasons. One, you keep LC because of it, because of the insurance policy. Two, Jonah's younger. At this point, as, as injured as he was last year, he's been healthier. Lael has has dealt with injuries for the, the majority of the past four years. 
And so if you're Collins, you get to stay healthy and keeping him on the roster too, gives you some kind of veteran presence in that line room at right tackle for the 2024 season at a reasonable number, even though he's getting older, even though he might be a cap casualty, depending on what you do in the draft and free agency, all those things. I think that that's kind of the way you go. That said, Jonah Williams has a pretty long injury history himself, which is why I think you keep LC around. I think that's a very logical. My only point, and I was trying to make it, and I lost my cool because yeah, I, I, I tend to do that, yeah. um, is that if you looked at it in a vacuum mm-hmm. before last season, who's the better right tackle? Is it Jonah Williams or Lael Collins? What would the answer to that be? The better the right shoes. Better right starting right tackle in the name. Before last season? Yes. They would have taken Lael. And, and a lot of people would have at at right tackle. And your Jonah, and your point is at, right now, at, Jonah has passed him in that in that regard. I think by far he's their best option at right tackle. And part of it is he was their best lineman. It's funny, everybody that sold Jonah stock this offseason. Nobody was talking about Jonah being a liability last offseason because he was their best lineman on a bad line in 2020. That's correct. I don't, and, no argument there. And, and they addressed that. Everyone was talking about left guard, but not left tackle Jonah Williams. And so does he need to show it in games? There's no doubt. Does he have more to prove? No doubt. But Lael just has to get healthy. And he had surgery seven months ago. Like he he still needs some time. I think to, to be able to come in and do what the Bengals would want him to do if they were putting him in the game. So even when he does get healthy, I don't think that they would just flip flop assuming Jonah's playing well, if Jonah's getting beat like a drum, then I think that changes, but I, I expect him to play pretty well this season and, and get paid this off season. By the way, that's another guy, Jonah Williams, that won't be here next off season. Correct. I think or next I'm, season and they save what 12 million on that. How much does he well, get to a point? Right. Well, I mean, yeah, he's making 12 this year. I mean, they're going to not pay him more. If, if he plays well this year, he'll make 15 or more per year somewhere else. And good for him. He should. Uh, Jackson Carmen, what do you do with Jackson Carmen? And what was your read and what happened late in the first half? Because I know a lot of people, it was all over Twitter, and I saw it in a million different places that, you know, the – the meme, it turned actually turned into a meme of him standing still while the rest of the offensive line uh, pulled off yeah. the snap. And there was a mix up there, you know, full disclosure here. Uh, Trey Hill was not on the same page with Jake Browning and the two kind of went at it verbally and in the frustration of the moment, heat of the moment. But Jackson Carmen's there standing still, not moving. What, what was your whole take on that whole that moment and Jackson Carmen in general? All right, there's a couple things here. One, I don't blame him at, really at all for that play. You slow it down and it looks awful. And you could say, yes. well, his reaction time. But the snap, the snap was early. And so he's going on the snap and he's trying to keep his, his head and, and keep his focus, all those things. Fine, whatever. So I throw that play out. Okay, fair. But, but this is what Jackson Carmen is. I've seen it for three years, for three camps now. This is what Jackson Carmen is. And there are a lot of linemen in the league that are drafted in the second round that have all these physical tools. 
that coaches look at and say, I can get the most out of this guy. He can be a starter. He can be a star. He has all the tools that, and it just never happens. And it's been left guard. So first off, it was right guard. Right guard. And he loses to Xavier Suofilo, who was out of the league at the moment his contract expired with the Bengals. So rookie Jackson. Then last year, one double A Cordell Volson, rookie fourth rounder, beats him out at left guard. Yep. And then it, it's this year where everyone just assumes that, oh, he's going to beat out Jonah. Yeah, that Jonah asking for a trade beat Jonah. I what? never felt, yeah, I never but, felt that that was, you know, a fait accompli. No way. It, and it was never even remotely close. Like the quarterback competition is close because they both stink right now. It was never even in the same. They weren't even both in Paycor Stadium. Like that's how far away they were competition-wise going into camp. Because one guy works his tail off and yes, has some flaws, but works his tail off. Like the other guy, and I'm not knocking you, the moment he loses a little bit of weight, beat writers notice because he hasn't worked hard right? because he's not known for his work ethic because everyone's waiting for this super talented guy to mature and take that next step on the field. And it just hasn't happened. It, he's in danger as, as we talk trags of potentially losing the swing tackle job of oh. Deontay Smith passing him, right? Like of, uh, of, of them really deciding to keep Lel Collins because there's no way they could bank on Jackson Carmen. Like if Carmen crushed this camp, even if Jonah won the job, they would probably say, well, we can save money by moving on from Lael. I don't think you can Here, do that. Here's, certainly not based on what Jackson Carmen's done. Here's my take on Jackson Carmen. And I'm writing this for CLNS media that will be out later on Tuesday. Later Shameless today. plug. Yeah, what we do. Jackson Carmen shows up in big games for the most part. I think Jackson Carmen is a horrific practice player. And that is why I think when we see him in practice or in some of these games, preseason games, it look, yep. he looks abysmal. And I don't yep. think there's a fire under his butt. But when there is and there's high stakes, look, that Buffalo game that he put on film in the playoffs was something else. I mean, that was a terrific game. They needed him. He was great. He was the left tackle on the playoffs. I think he did reasonably well against the Chiefs um, in the AFC Championship. Uh, it wasn't, you know, Max Sharping. All due respect to Max Sharping, but Max Sharping, you know, was pretty much beaten several times by on the inside by Chris Jones. You, you yeah, Chris point? Jones is a worth. He's the, like the third best defensive lineman in the league, probably. Yeah, no, I agreed. And but he was beaten. I think anybody who watches the film there. Sure. Uh, but my point is, I think Jackson Carmen can play big in big moments, and they still believe in his pure athletic ability. And if they get him back in his um, natural position, which really by all accounts is left tackle, I think they think he can be a backup left tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's where I think they envision him being um okay. not a but go ahead let's go through it then all right so you have yep. the, your, your your five starters okay yep i think they keep nine deontay smith appears to be trending in the right direction trey hill i assume is the the favorite backup center yep. is backup center okay let's say lyle collins starts the year on the pup list so you have two more spots is it akima denigy and jackson carmen 
is it Akeem Adenogy and Max Sharping? You're pretty, you're pretty, uh, you're pretty tackle heavy if you go Adenogy and Carmen. So I think they probably go, I think they'd like Sharping still on the inside. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's, uh, you know, a third center that has got Cody Ford's in the mix too. So Cody Ford, I did find it interesting what Zach Taylor said on Monday about Cody Ford. Did you not that he said, I agree. It was random. It was very random. Mm -hmm. And I just don't know what to make of that yet. But anyway, I guess just to cut through cut to the chase here. I think the Bengals have a ton of decisions to make with regard to L Collins, Jonah Williams, and Jackson Carmen. And that is, I would trade Carmen. I know we're getting low on time. I would trade. Jackson no, no, no. And, and I have said that before. And I've said it to you. The reason you do trade Jackson Carmen is he's cheap. Teams could see that he still has the athletic ability. They need to get a coach that motivates his ass and, and get him fired up a little bit more. But I think that is a viable scenario that could develop, certainly before um, the start of the regular season. I want to touch on one more thing. Joe Mixon is going through the legal proceedings um, of his court case right now, uh, road rage um, involving gun charges. And there is an uncertainty regarding what the NFL may or may not do in terms of discipline. Mm -hmm. Seen two running backs come off the market, namely uh, Ezekiel Elliott um, goes off, goes to New England, and Dalvin Cook goes on to another AFC East team, the Jets. Did the Bengals miss out on an opportunity in the offseason? They might have. Honestly, they might have, because I think the Bengals would have been at the top of Cook's list, even though he likes Miami and, and Zeke's list. And the, the reason I say they might have is because you just have to deal with all of this. Like, it's a whole sideshow. Of, of stuff that you don't necessarily get with these other guys, at least as of now. Now, have they been had issues in the past? Sure. Like Zeke certainly has. It's well-documented. I don't right. need to go down that path. But for this season, I get the continuity aspect. I still think even by keeping Mixon, and, and this is the downside, he isn't the pass blocker that those other two guys are reliably or consistently. And so, I wonder who's going to emerge there. They they really haven't replaced some AJ Pirine. And I wonder if they had told Pirine, hey, you're going to be the guy and we're moving on from Joe. And maybe they did. And he said, I don't believe you because Joe's my guy or whatever. But I think having Joe Mixon in town, because he's a big name, turns off the idea of, oh, well, Zeke wants to come to Cincinnati at a reasonable rate or Dalvin because there's only so many carries you can get. So it was... It's tough, and I get what the Bengals did, and we'll see if it pays off, and we'll see what happens with, with Mixon's court proceedings. Travion Williams needs to get back on the field, and I spoke to him after practice on Monday, and he feels good. He feels like he's going to be close maybe by the end of the week, maybe after the Falcons game, he should be back on the practice field. That's what I would expect. Yeah, if, if he comes back, he's certainly the favorite, I think, for that third down role. Needs to show it, though. That, that that's that's what really stinks he was the favorite and now he hasn't had a, a chance to show it i don't know if you can bank on chase brown being that guy as a rookie i think he's a good runner right away and chris evans are, are you going that route so i think this is kind of the game where you you get the results uh of of the evans brown competition and then you have a week to look at travion williams 
and and you go from there because they may be looking at running back and, and probably should be in the market for a running back on cutdown day, depending on who gets released. I need 16 players playing on Friday night. That's all I care about. That and the health of the team. <laughs> so we 16. have a, a <laughs> but well, Mixon's not playing. So, so yeah, there's another that. One. There's one. Wow. Uh, wow. But we we need 16. That's what I'm I'm, I'm banking on on both sides Man. of the ball. 16. You know what I'm banking on? What's free that? dinner on tracks? That's what I'm banking on. Boy, oh boy, I'm gonna run I, up that tab too, boy. I do pay. Ooh-wee. I do pay my debts, James. He oh, is James Rapine. What are you working tab. on, by the way? It's a hefty any, any, tab. Anything you want to plug? Yeah, for sure. Wrote about the the Bengals backup quarterback situation today at allbengals.com. I will have training camp reports and plenty of uh, updates, including my 53 man roster projection on Wednesday morning. Yep. So uh, plenty coming your way. He is James Rapine, does a fabulous job covering the Bengals for allbengals.com, si.com, and has the only truly dedicated daily podcast. We can still say that, right? To our Cincinnati Bengals, Locked On Bengals. He's James Rapine. I want to thank everybody for downloading this week's episode of the Jungle War podcast. It's available anywhere and everywhere you download your favorite podcast. And of course, as always, be sure to subscribe to the my youtube page at jungle roar pod at youtube.com until next week mike petralia for james rapine thanks for watching